Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. Hi, good morning, everyone. If you can hear me, just wave at me. Good morning. It's a joy and privilege to be here at Covenant ESC Woodland Center. Uh, blessings to you if you are worshiping with us online. I know my cousin is doing that right now. He is on Father's Day, listening to a Father's Day sermon. He has just become a father, watching online. Uh, my wife and I, we worship and serve at the East Center. Um, when Woodland Centre was first opened in 2008, we were among the young adults that came uh, as pioneers to set up this place and to, to start CGs and so on. So this place has a lot of fond memories for us. It was a pivotal part of our growth and discipleship. Now when we walk the journey of discipleship, it helps to have heroes, that's my view. Not superheroes to idolise, but ordinary heroes to inspire us to point us the way to the Lord, like fathers. Now, one hero I look up to is our senior pastor, Reverend Tony Yeo. Uh, most of us know him for his public work here, leading, teaching, but it is the things he does behind the scenes that really stand out for me. So he likes to have conversations with us staff uh, to get to know us better, to find out how we're doing, work, ministry, and so on. And every time I leave his office after one of these chairs, I'm always grateful for them. I usually say, thank you, sir, because he's a senior pastor, right? And he always say, you got my name wrong again, every single time he does that. He says, it's not sir, but servant. Not sir, but servant. That's our senior pastor for you, a servant leader. Today's message is about serving the king. We're continuing our sermon series in the book of Daniel. And last week, my good friend Tim Yo uh, told us the story of Daniel and the lion's den. Very familiar for us. How many of us grew up in church, in Sunday school? You've heard this maybe once a year uh, for many, many years of your life. So it's a familiar story. But last week, we heard about the theology of it. The faithful God who delivers us. Today, we're going to dive a bit deeper into the same text and learn how we respond to God as His servants. Now, I found this text to be full of surprises, even though it's familiar for us. Now, at the high point of the story, we find this king, Darius. He's in turmoil because he's been tricked. He's been tricked to offer up his most faithful advisor to the lions. And Daniel 6.20, if I could have that slide up, tells us that he was in anguish. Going back to the pit of lions, he cries out to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Here's the surprise. It was Darius, the pagan king, who pronounced Daniel a servant of the living God. This means that Daniel's life was so, so clear in its witness, everybody knew what he stood for. Now, this man spent decades of his life in exile away from home, but he never forgot 
his true identity as one of God's covenant people. In a strange land, we too are like people living in exile, far away from heaven, our home, our true home. But Daniel never forgot his identity, and so he served the living God continually. He stayed the course. Today, if you are a Christian, this is your privilege and honour and your birthright to serve the king. Say with me, serve the king. Now, I submit to us that Daniel 6 teaches us three things about serving the king. Firstly, when we serve the king, we will be faithful in stewardship. Second, we will be steady under fire. And third, we will be safe in God's hands. Faithful in stewardship, steady under fire, safe in God's hands. Let's start with the first idea of being faithful in stewardship. Now, when I mention the term servant of God, right? Think along with me. What comes to mind? Servant of God. What kind of person comes to mind? Anyone? Jesus, yeah, okay. More uh, humble. What kind of like occupation, right? Maybe pastor, missionary. Maybe somebody like Sarah Chan comes to mind, right? Those of us who don't know if I have the slide of her. Now, we commissioned Sarah uh, and sent her off to Timor-Leste last year. Uh, and we sent her off on her birthday, 5th November. She turned 30 years old. Milestone. And uh, she's happily serving God on the field. Life is tough sometimes. Now, it takes a lot of effort, for instance, to learn Tetan, which is the local language. Uh, and she delivered a workshop on relationships. This is the picture she took after that workshop in Tetan. Amazing. Now, if I had to deliver a workshop like that in Chinese, and that's actually my mother tongue, uh, I'll be scared half to death. And she puts up all kinds of things, uh, like stoppages of running water, electricity, and bug invasions. You're wondering why there's that bug up there, that centipede. She woke up one morning to find that centipede on her pillow. It's as white as her thumb. Uh, and so this is, this is just to tell you, right? Pray for servants of God. Support them. People like Sarah. But when we come back to Daniel chapter 6, we meet this servant of God, Daniel. He's not a religious worker. He's not a missionary. He is a civil servant. Come, let's look at the text together. Let's open up our Bibles and turn with me to Daniel chapter 6, uh, verses 1 to 2. Now, I just encourage us, all of us, sometimes we put the, the verses up on the screen, but it helps to follow along in your Bible. Right, because as we go back home and review, the Spirit of God can speak again. Not just here, during the sermon. Now let's look at verse 1. This is what it says in the ESV. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Now, Tim told you about satraps. Now, as a child, when I first learned that the satraps sabotaged Daniel big time, I thought that their main job was to set traps for people. Satrap, get it? But no, the word satrap actually means protector. And so the satraps were in charge of their provinces, in charge of security, tax collection. And you're asking, why then does Daniel need to be set over them as an official. And what does it mean that the king should suffer no loss? So think along with me. What is this no loss? The answer is that King Darius 
wanted to ensure that he would suffer no loss of what? Of wealth, tax. Okay? Through corrupt officials. And to do this, he had to lean on Daniel. Daniel was both his commissioner of inland revenue, right? Tax man, IRAS chief, right? And also director of CPIB. Now for non-Singaporeans, CPIB stands for the Corrupt Practices Investigation Bureau. Darius expected his satraps to be corrupt, but believed that Daniel would be full of integrity and Daniel repaid that trust. He served without fear or favour, was righteous in managing the king's wealth. And the king wanted to promote him to prime minister. If you look down at verse 3. Now, before I entered full-time ministry, I was a civil servant for about 10 years. So I'm inspired by Daniel. He's one of my natural heroes in the scriptures. Some of us here are civil servants. Most of us are not. But each one of us who is a true believer in Jesus Christ is a kingdom servant. Say with me, kingdom servant. We are entrusted with the business of the king. Now, our master calls us to faithful stewardship in all areas because he's Lord of all. There are four specific areas I want to just talk about very quickly or just mention. Uh, the work, ministry, family, and self. Now, I'm just going to go into the first and the last work because Daniel is a man in the marketplace and the last one. Now, whether we are bankers or educators or contractors or homemakers, our work can be our witness. The question for us in the area of work is, do we labor with integrity? Do we serve those around us with love? Are we excellent? Do we do the things that are unseen? Let me tell you a quick story. I used to work in the civil service, as I mentioned, and in this government department and this, the scheme of service I was on, everybody wanted the big projects. You know, when you work, you want stuff that goes on your year-end review, right? Those small little ikan bilis things, right? You say, forget it. Let somebody else do. But one of the things that I felt that the Lord had led me in that time, in this government department, was to do something that nobody wanted to do. It was to come up with a standard operating procedure, SOP for very routine tasks that happens all the time. And at the end of it, all your boss will tell you, you do a good job, you say, okay, good job, well done. No further reward, no further praise, no gold stars, nothing. If God is calling you in your area of work to do these unseen things, will you be a faithful steward? Now, I want to jump into the last area, which is the area of stewardship of ourselves. Now, we think of stewarding all kinds of things, our money, our, our relationships, our time, but the key area is really ourselves, our own walk with the Lord. Because we can do everything right but fail to guard our hearts, we end up running on empty. And we neglect our spirituality. Why? Because, because it's unseen, isn't it? We focus on the things that people can see, our achievements, our bank account, as Pastor Tony mentioned. That's visible. But our leadership mentor, Reverend Edmund Chan, said this, and I love this quote of his. Let me share this with you. He said, take care of the depth of your life and let God take care of the breadth of your ministry. And I'll add to that also your family life, also your work life, everything. Take care of the depth of your life. 
We are servants of the King, and we serve Him first by loving Him, by holding fast to Him. And that way, when life heats up, we will be steady under fire. That's the second idea we have today, that as servants of the King, we can be steady under fire. Now, before Daniel was thrown into the pit of lions, he was already living in a pit of vipers. Uh, he was already under fire. Now, his job sounds prestigious, but in our local language in Hokkien, we call it Pai Tan. It's difficult to earn his pay. He was living in a time where all his subordinates wanted him down. Toxic workplace. Doesn't get worse than that. Not that they were jealous of him, they were racially biased against him. Uh, in verse 13, they say that he's one of the exiles from Judah. He's not one of us. And they were ruthless. These satraps were ruthless and quite smart. Now, they knew that Daniel had the favor of the king. Right? So if, if the king is his, in Chinese we call it Kao Shan, right? his, the person that he leans on, right? his supporter. How do you get that Daniel? You have to deal with the Kao Shan. So they first trap the king before they trap Daniel. And how do they trap the king? With the law of the kingdom. So insidious. This is not just ordinary office politics. This is more like a mafia hit job. The scale of it. Just how evil it is, conducted in broad daylight. Now put yourself in Daniel's shoes. You and I would crumble under that pressure, but he was steady under fire. Now when the decree was signed, Daniel's enemies must have rubbed their hands in glee and said, Checkmate, we got you now. But he wasn't flustered. He didn't panic. He knew just what to do. He stepped out of the king's palace and he stepped before the throne of the true king, which leads us to Daniel 6.10. And I have that up on the slide. This is a key verse. If you'd like to underline your Bible, do that right now. We're going to read this together on the count of three. One, two, three. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Now, in the time of crisis, Daniel knew exactly what to do because he had been doing these things already. He had been doing them previously. My friends, look at the text. This is the power of habit at work. Now, to quote a famous phrase from the theologian, uh, and Pastor Eugene Peterson. I love his writings. Daniel's life was a long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience in the same direction. Daniel had spent his entire life, he was an elderly statesman by this point. He had formed his habits over 80 years or so. And now, he was formed by his habits. He was a man shaped by all that he had done his character, his composure. He was ready for the trial. He was ready for fire. Let's move this from the head to the heart. We know the story well. But will we as servants of the King today allow the Spirit to shape our hearts by shaping our habits? Or perhaps a broader question to ask is, what are we going to allow to shape our habits? Because like it or not, our habits will be shaped. 
one way or another, by the world. I give you just one example. Have you heard of nomophobia? Want to make a guess what it's about? <laughs> it sounds funny, right? But it's the fear of having no mobile phone, no more phobia. And this actually is a thing. Now we can grow so connected to our devices that once it is gone, you know, you crack your screen, it goes to the service center, you feel fear. And we can become so habituated by this device that we crave distraction, social media. We crave the envy that looking at other people's profiles, seeing which holiday they went on to. This one went to the UK, that one went to Korea. And we develop addictions. You know, and nobody sets out to deliberately be addicted. But these forces out there, the forces that are in this technology, shape us. They shape our habits. But here's the good news, my friends. As God's people, we can be countercultural. We are not slaves to these forces. We can stand and form countercultural habits, such as the habit of prayer. Daniel shows us how. Let's look back at the text, uh, verse 10, and we're going to look all the way to verse 11. I'll show you some of the observations I've made about this countercultural habit. The first, Daniel got down on his knees. This is the habit of reverence, having a posture of prayer that recognizes He is God, we are not, even in the furnace, even when facing the lions. He got down three times a day. This is rhythm. Now, we may not need to adhere to some kind of schedule where we pray at fixed times. I actually know somebody who sets his phone alarm at 12.30. So every time when he gets to about lunchtime, he will stop. He can be in the middle of a conversation. You say, excuse me for a moment. He goes to a side. He prays for a couple of minutes. He comes back. Why does he do that? Because he wants to develop a consciousness of God throughout the day. This rhythm. Daniel gave thanks before his God. This is rejoicing, giving thanks, counting blessings in the midst of the storm. Daniel made petition and plea his requests. Now, Daniel wouldn't have known 1 Peter 5, 7. Many of us have memorized this. Cast your cares on him because he cares for you, right? But Daniel surely prayed that way. Can you imagine this elderly statesman? When he should be in retirement, he's facing execution. And he says, God, I don't know what to do. Will you help me? My eyes are on you. My friends, will you form these countercultural habits? Will you build your lives on the solid rock so that you won't fear when the storm comes? I want to speak to some of us this morning who are hearing this and thinking, oh gosh, it's too late. It's too late for me. The storm has already come in my life, and I'm not ready, I'm not steady. You are anxious. Your anxiety is made worse by a sense of guilt. That guilt is made worse by a sense of condemnation. And you feel spiritually defective and you feel God is not going to bother with you. If that's you today, let me just say this out in the clear. That the voice of condemnation is not the voice of God. 
Because God speaks to us to convict our hearts, not to condemn us. As sons and daughters of the King, we must know the difference. If you are hearing this today, on-site or online, God is calling you to run into His open arms. God wants you to experience the safety, the security that we can have in Him. The third big truth of today's message is that as servants of the King, we are safe in His hands. As servants of the King, we are safe in His hands. Now, we're so familiar with Daniel and the lion's den that we think, of course, Daniel is safe. If this guy is not kept safe, then who on earth is God going to rescue? I think the story is a done deal. We don't feel the tension. But for a moment, I want us to do this together. Put yourselves in the shoes of this king who is very anxious, very kanchong. I'm going to read to us verses 16 and 17 and imagine what this king is feeling. All right, so... Put on your imagination cap and come along with me. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God whom you serve continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lord's that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Can you detect the despair here? When he says, may your God deliver you, it's a cry of not knowing. He, he couldn't do anything except hope that Daniel's God would do something. Nothing could turn back the clock, reverse his stupidity. He had no control over whether God would deliver Daniel or make him the lion's deliveroo dinner. Of course, Daniel didn't become a main cause. Daniel was delivered supernaturally. His trust was vindicated. And God's angel, who had turned the proud Nebuchadnezzar into a cow, prevented Daniel from becoming beefsteak. Hooray! Daniel was unhurt, safe in God's hands. And if you're wondering why this sermon has so many dad jokes, it's Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Now, what does the story of Daniel's deliverance mean for us today? Some say the story means that as God's servants, whatever lines then we find ourselves in, whether it's work, finances, health, just trust God. You're always going to emerge unharmed. God will always protect you. And if you suffer some harm or loss or suffering, some people think this is the, the, the twist in the theology if you actually suffer harm, maybe it's because you didn't have faith in the first place. This is dangerous theology, and I think it's highly problematic. I call it presumptuous faith. Because it presumes to know how God will act, and it presumes to demand that God must act. Now, if, if this is our theological frame, we end up saying to God as His servants, Hey God, I'm, I'm your faithful servant, you know. I'm, maybe I'm not a Daniel, uh, I'm a 75% Daniel, but not bad already, okay? Now that I'm in trouble, why don't you just do your job, la God? Help me out a bit, Ken. Fulfill your side of the bargain. Now, as Reverend Matthew Lowe, our, our center overseer at the East Center, said to us in a previous sermon, this is making God our servant and putting God in our hands. 
It's not placing ourselves in God's hands. So that's presumptuous faith. But there's an opposite theology that's equally dangerous. I call it cynical doubt. Now sometimes because we don't know if God will deliver us or provide for us in the way we want, we, we start doubting. Does God even care? And then we spiral downwards. And you say, if God doesn't care, then I also don't care. I don't care about God. And we stop approaching His throne of grace because what's the use? We start relying on our own ways of surviving. We may call ourselves Christians, but we live as atheists. What this means is we come to church, we do religion, but we act as though God doesn't exist. We realize that we have to depend on ourselves. I believe Daniel steered between these two extremes. I wonder where we are on this spectrum. We don't know, of course, if Daniel knew that God was going to save him. In fact, if you look at the text, Daniel was silent until he comes out from the pit. But I'm guessing that Daniel clung onto the Lord through the crisis, even though he didn't know the conclusion. Let's make this practical for ourselves. How do we avoid the two extremes of presumptuous faith, cynical doubt? I offer you two simple don'ts. The first don't is don't stop calling out to God. Now, friends, the Bible is very clear that we are to call out to God. If you need something today, if you need healing, if you need help in a work situation, call out to Him. And you don't need to censor your prayers. You don't need to make your prayers politically correct for God. Just ask. Psalm 50, verse 15 says, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you. But the second don't is this. Don't put God in a box. Because sometimes His provision comes in ways that are beyond our expectation and even exceed our expectation. And even if God doesn't give us what we ask for, we are still safe in Him. Now, both these don'ts come with stories. I want to tell you the story of my Trinity theological college lecturer. I graduated from that school and he shared this story of his grandma many years ago. She was crossing the road. She was hit badly by a car on the left side, somehow survived, got to hospital and had to go through bone reconstruction surgery. When she woke up, her left leg was one inch shorter than her right. Her left arm badly damaged, could only come up this high. So she was a Christian, but her husband was nominal, children nominal, but they really wanted their mom to get better, right? So uh, kept sending her to Christian healing rallies. There were all these visiting evangelists that were coming, Reinhard Bonke and all the rest, all, and just kept going, but nothing happened. Until this American evangelist brought them, uh, called them to this small group meeting and prayed for this grandma. And so this prayer, I want you to imagine it's me, right? She's, she's there receiving prayer. And the evangelist asks her, can you lift your left arm now? She tries. Cannot. Pray some more. Second time. Can you lift your left arm now? Cannot. Third time. Can you lift your left arm now? Suddenly, both hands go up. She's praising the Lord. Hallelujah. On the spot, she was healed. And when she went back home that night and slept and woke up, the next day, 
her legs were the same length. Shall we give the Lord a clap offering? In Covenant EFC, we don't normally talk about these kinds of miraculous stories, but they happen. And I know this is not some kind of urban legend because it changed the life of this entire family. Uh, the, the, the husband of this, this elderly lady came back to the Lord. The son went to Bible school, finished a degree. Uh, it's just amazing. Friends, don't stop calling out to God because God is still on the move. He's a living God. And that's why you are servants of the living God like Daniel. He's not asleep. He's not apathetic. But sometimes God doesn't give us the miracle we ask for. Now, one faithful servant of God, he's loved by many Christians throughout the world. Many of you here, I'm sure. Many people prayed for him when he was stricken with pancreatic cancer, but not healed. Now, throughout his battle with cancer, Pastor Timothy Keller continued to be a faithful servant of God. He pointed others to gospel hope, and he clung to his witness in secular New York. Now, New York has completely cancelled Timothy Keller, but he hung on for the sake of the gospel, and he wrote this to the New York Times, 2022. I'll just read this for us. He said, If the resurrection of Jesus Christ really happened, then ultimately God is going to put everything right. Suffering is going to go away. Evil is going to go away. Death is going to go away. Aging is going to go away. Pancreatic cancer is going to go away. Now, if the resurrection of Jesus Christ did not happen, then I guess all bets are off. But if it actually happened, then there's all the hope in the world. And with this hope, Keller was able to say these last words, that there's no downside to me leaving, not in the slightest. He was ready to meet the Lord. This was a servant of God who knew that he was safe in God's hands. Now we're going to draw our time to a close this morning. And I invite us to prepare our hearts to respond to God every time the word of God is preached. There is always a response. Let's respond to him as servants of the king. Perhaps some of us are listening to this, you hear the message, serve the king, and you feel uncomfortable. Because you're unwilling. And the truth is that you prefer to serve yourself rather than God. If that's you today, God is calling you to the privilege of service. He's calling you to the privilege of being a faithful steward of all He has given. But there are others among us here who have been faithfully serving, but we are tired, we are are worn out, we are burnt out. Life has hit us left, right, center. And though we are paying the price of service, today we are discouraged. And today the Lord may be calling you and reminding you. Sometimes the response is not to do something new, but just to remember. Remember that you are safe in His hands. Wherever you are this morning, I believe the Lord is calling us not to whip ourselves to serve more, serve harder, do more, but to turn our eyes to the servant king. The king who serves us. Now the greatest servant leader in all of history 
said to us, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give His life as a ransom for many. Mark 10.45 This is our God, the Servant King. Our Servant King, faithful in stewardship, obedient to the end, obedient in Gethsemane, wrestling with the Father's will, preferring the Father's will. Our Servant King, steady under fire, carrying your cross and my cross down this street called the Via Dolorosa, the way of sorrow. But never flinching for you, my friend. Our Servant King, safe in God's hands. On the cross, picture the Lord now in your mind. The full force of the world's evil, all our garbage, our mess, our dirt, past, present, future, unleashed on the Son of God on the cross. And at that moment, at that place, endless grace, endless mercy unleashed on us. Why? Because he uttered this prayer, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And God the Father heard and delivered him and vindicated him. And there was victory. But this victory that the Son of God won was not a victory from death. It was not an escape. It was a victory through death. He went through it. For you and for me. Friends, serve the King. Serve the servant king. This is a king worth giving your life for. This is a king who thought you were worth giving his life for. Let's bow and pray together and respond to him. Want to give us a moment? To allow the Spirit of God to deposit in something that he's saying to you right now. Would you make room for him? Would you make room for him? I want to speak to those of us either here on site or online who are perhaps new today if you're not a Christian and you wonder who is this God who would serve me I know about serving God I know about offerings I have never heard of a God who would serve me if that's you and you want to know this servant king I want to give you a chance an opportunity right now. So a count of three, would you just put your hands right up? One, two, three. Anyone wanting to respond to this servant king for the first time today and to say, I want to know you, oh God. Anyone at all? Now, if you responded to that in your heart, we pray, thank you, Lord, for saving me 
delivering me from the price of sin, from the power of sin. Help me to trust you and to live for you. Now, the second part of this response is for all of us. All of us, let's stand together as God's people, as servants of the King. Let's rise. All of us, without exception, all of us are struggling servants. We want to serve the King in some way, but we struggle. So would you do this with me? Take your right hand, put it on your heart. We're going to pray for ourselves. We do this together as God's people together. All across this space up there in the gallery down here, put your hand on your heart and say, we pray this simple prayer. We pray, Spirit of God, fill your servant today. Let's pray together. Spirit of God, fill your servant today. We pray one more time. Spirit of God, fill your servant today. We pray one final time. Spirit of God, fill your servant today. Keep your hand on your heart. Some of us need to be awakened from apathy. We, we don't really care about God. But God wants to breathe. The Spirit wants to breathe a new and a fresh wind today. God, would you awaken? Some of us are exhausted. We're so tired. And our cry is, God, will you empower me now? Bring strength because I don't have it anymore. If that's you, pray, God, empower me. Empower me. And across this place, God will fill you with the power that you need to live for Him. He will do it for you. Some of us say, God, I'm hurting so much. There's too much brokenness. There's, the wounds are too great. The scars are too great. I can't serve you. It hurts. Keep your hand on your heart because God wants to heal you. He wants to heal your hurt. He wants to heal you. He wants to bring you back to those points of departure and say, son, daughter, you're mine. You're safe in my arms. You're safe in my arms. You're safe. Shall we just respond to the Lord with this closing song The Servant King
together. Come see his hands and his feet. The scars that speak of sacrifice and that flung stars into space. To cruel nails and receive the benediction of God. May God empower you to serve your King, Lord and Master in the church, beyond the church and into the nations. May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you completely. May your body, soul, spirit be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's give our King a big clap offering for all that He's done, all that He's going to do. Please be seated. We're glad you had spent some time listening to God's Word and we hope that the message has ministered to you. You can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.